0: Introducing Minor Wisdom, Quintet! Oh. One, 2 as dee eskidda-dee-dee-doo.
1: Minor Wisdom!
0: So a few times now, I have actually recorded an intro for this week's podcast. And uh, my conscience keeps getting the better half of me, so... I'm going to make it shorter and sweeter. It's been about a 10-minute intro, but I know last week I had a pretty long one. So first and foremost, I hope, I hope everybody is safe and recovering from this very uh, crazy week that we had with the snow and the ice and the power outages and the water outages and the boil water and all that kind of stuff. I've got to tell you, I don't know if I signed a really good deal with the devil or if I'm just blessed, but we weren't affected at all. Uh, my family wasn't affected one bit. We, you know, I suffer from anxiety, so my sleep was affected quite a bit because I just, I literally stayed up wondering when the power was going to go out, and it never did. And so for those people that uh, suffered through this, my heart goes out to you. We did open up our doors to some friends and and such to see if they needed a warm place to stay. Uh, But it's either the two kids under... Uh, 10 years old, or having two dogs, or me, or whatever it is, uh, but nobody <laughs> took me up on my offer. So, uh, it is what it is, but again, my sincere, just kind of, I guess, uh, my, my heart, not my sincere heart, just my heart goes out to those people suffering through this broken pipes and such. Um, you know, I, in all seriousness, let me know if you need help, because uh, my wife and I are both rather skilled at the drywall world. We just or I just patched up uh, part of the drywall that my dog chewed out, which is new to me. That's never happened. Apparently, that's a thing. It's uh, There are no critters in the wall, no nothing like that. I feel like we would smell it by now or have heard it, but um, they just start chewing at the wall, and that's weird. So I did patch that up, and pretty good at drywall. We did that at our old house when we flipped that bad boy, so just let me know if you need anything. Uh, I posted something on Facebook, as some of you listeners might have seen regarding if you are uh, competing or your opinions on competing. I don't want to get into all of it. That's why I had a 10-minute intro that is now going to be reduced to just a couple of minutes. Uh, But I do want to say one thing, one thing about it. Uh, Everybody has their opinions and everybody has their right and their wrong and everybody is doing what they think is best for them and their students and their community. And that's the right answer. Do what you think is best for your students, your community, uh, you, yourself, you do have to be a little selfish. Sometimes I'm fully uh, on board with that. But I will say one thing that uh, in regards to that, uh, that that's kind of paralleling that the uh, when I when I first, uh, or when my wife was first pregnant with Ava, so this is almost nine years ago, uh, you know, you get all kinds of advice from friends and family when you're going through that telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And the best advice I ever received was from a gentleman named Skip Downham because you get overwhelmed with what you should and shouldn't do. And I think that this post on Facebook exemplified that. The right answer is that you just need to do what you think is right. And when that child is born, uh, in this case, when when you are contemplating doing one-act play, you just have to do what you think is right. Consult your friends, consult your family, in this case, your administrators, your students, your community, your stakeholders, if you will, for those administrative people out there. You just have to do that. Um, There's no right or wrong answer. And for those people that think that I was saturating Facebook with my two questions, uh, because I asked about contests, and then I asked who is uh, having an audience, uh, I was not saturating Facebook with negativity. I was saturating Facebook with curiosity. I wanted to know what people were doing. And if you read everything with a negative lens, then of course it's a negative post. Uh, but I was not trying to incite. I find that quite offensive actually, considering there's a former president being, um, accused of inciting something and what, right or wrong. Uh, I, <laughs> that you can't compare the two. I wasn't inciting anything. Um, so I appreciate those people that gave some input. Uh, I reached out to quite a few people in Facebook Messenger just to say, hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being so vulnerable. I appreciate you being so honest, so candid. And let's let's allow everyone to have a safe space to give their opinion. Um, keep that Facebook group alive. And it's a great place for people to give an opinion and to get an opinion and to get different perspective, get some people that have been around for a while Um, but just always state things as though it's your opinion. It's not the opinion that matters. It's your opinion. So that's just my two cents. I'm allowed to give my two cents because I bought a lot of equipment and started recording a podcast two years ago. And here we are now. So uh, I do want to say in regards to that, and then I'll wrap up, uh, we, uh, or this week I was not planning on doing a podcast. Once, once everything, started with the snow and the ice and, and the, just the danger of everything. My uh, my focus was not on, hey, let's record a niche Texas theater podcast. No, that wasn't my focus. But Tress Curzum reached out to me and said, hey, I want to say these things. <laughs> and, and so I was like, for sure, she's not in Texas anymore. So I didn't feel bad saying uh yes uh because i i had again i had power not to keep beating that bush but or beating that bush beating that dead horse i don't know what, where bush came from uh hey george bush um but uh i i said absolutely cuz i i could talk to tress all day and tress and i are very similar in that we both have pretty strong opinions and in this in this case we both agreed on a lot of things um and so i hope you guys enjoy this conversation it's lengthy but it's also really Fun and uh, it's very it for me. This conver not every conversation goes by quickly that I have with some people. Sometimes I'm looking at the clock like, oh my gosh, we're only at 15 minutes. But with Tress, even she looked at the clock and was like, oh man, we've been talking for this long. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I always love talking to Tress Kurzum. Please reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, be my friend if you want on Facebook. You know, friend me if you want. Uh, I know a lot of this group is more of a of a Facebook group. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Mr. Blake Miner or Miner Wisdom Pod. Just reach out to me and give me a shout. Talk to me. Tell me if you need help. Tell me if you need uh, advice. Whatever you need, and I'd be happy to help steer you uh, in a direction—not the right direction, just a direction. I hope everybody's safe. Enjoy your week. You're back for another round, and I, I know
1: I feel like Amy because Amy asked to come back too. <laughs>
0: Amy, yeah, Amy. Well, Amy asked to come back, like. I I think either the the night of her first one or the next day and uh, I was happy to have her back but yeah you you know if I'm gonna have anybody on a couple of times you two can meet those qualifications so
1: yay uh, well it also has to do with when I heard you have the guy from ISU on and he was like we're the only theater ed program and I was like nah not now (laughs) not now buddy
0: yeah right so
1: I'm gonna I'm going to drop your name. I got to send him an email. He's on my list of things, people to reach out to. Okay. So,
0: uh, so what, well first speak on the theater ed program thing. Cause you know, you and I were just talking off air about, uh, MFA kind of getting that, those letters, if you will. And it's not just for the letters, it's obviously for the education too, but the letters help. Oh, there's a dog. Um, and, but you're, you're, uh, how much since last time I talked to you, how much has it grown, changed, shifted, you know, uh, adapted, um, even in these times during online learning, has it expanded more now that it's online learning or I guess you, it was a little too late for that, but.
1: Oh, so the theater ed program that I run at SIU. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely expanding. (laughs) Uh,
0: I said, recruit, come on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Um, so I got, I got hired three years ago as adjunct and the goal was to build it because the woman who had been there before, who is just this force, um, was the head of Missouri thespians and her name is Lana Hagen and she's just a really lovely human being. She had retired several years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was I think maybe that 08 time and there were a couple of placeholders uh for her in there and it for whatever reason didn't didn't work out the right. way. So when I came in there was one student who had um transferred that was getting his theater education certification and the woman that was uh, head of design Dr. Hansen who is also very capable but head of design right. tech um so busy um had Jason and she was like I'll just see this out and so I kind of basically got to start that first year I was there technically before I even was hired I was part of recruiting three students that were coming in as theater ed their freshman year yeah um and And they came in and now we have 15 after year three. Um, So, or I'm in year three, I guess. So we have 15 theater ed majors and I'm really, really excited about the program. Um, So they definitely get their licensure in Illinois. And, uh, but what is awesome about it is that it is transferable with 34 other states. So I have a student (laughs) from Oregon, a a student from um, California. I have a student from Texas right now, several Missouri schools, because we're on that St. Louis, we're right there. We're in the Metro East of St. Louis. So I'm really proud of the program. Um, The students are smart and capable and they're living through this COVID, I think is interesting as a student. Yeah. so they're already starting to think about what works and what won't work
0: so texas is one of those transferables or no yeah okay okay good yeah good yeah because i was going to say i would i would love to call out those other ones those those 20 states and <laughs> be like yeah hey man <laughs> what's the problem
1: i think it usually is because they have like so missouri it's transferable to Missouri, but not really. Right. And we're right in Missouri. So they have to take some speech classes. It's usually because it's a theater and speech degree in some of those right. other states. And so it's just making sure that if they know where they want to go. So like my students who are planning to go back to St. Louis, they just take a few speech classes.
0: Okay. Sure. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't bring you on here to talk about that, but I wanted you to start with it. Uh, because I think it's, you know, I think it's important to, to, I've had quite a few now. I've had Gary Cooper and other people, uh, that are doing the theater. Oh, Aaron Brown, um, from Sam Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't mean to say, Oh, Aaron Brown, like he was nothing, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, know uh, Mr. Brown
1: Brown is definitely something for sure. So, um, but I've
0: had a few people, I haven't had Jackie DeMott Mullen on yet, but I, you know, that, that are trying to push the theater education world and um, it's a tough one. There's so many opinions about it. And then also the transferable thing. I don't know if I've ever brought that up with anybody. So, you know, where, where can you go uh, to still be somewhat recognized as a teacher? And I know that, like you said, you know, there are some other things that they might have to do and obviously get certified in a different state, but Mm -hmm. um, is the degree at least recognized? So, uh, but that's good. Yeah. I like it.
1: Yeah. And I think the thing about theater education is that and we're seeing this now about what's going to stay, what's going to remain from the way that we're producing theater right now. And if we want to have a solid foundation for our students who are going to be performers and design tech Mm -hmm. students as well or dance, there have to be theater educators and there have to be good theater educators because for really awesome theater educator there might be a couple right yeah that that we would prefer not to be working with students
0: I've never really asked this to anybody but is there something unique and not necessarily something that you offer at SIUE but maybe at some point you will but is there something unique that uh is brought into the world of the theater education program compared to just a theater education does that make sense Um, in other words are you teaching theater educators how to buy rights and talk to MTI yeah. and all that kind of stuff, you know, because because in a theater, traditional theater degree, they don't usually do that. But because, you know, as a lighting designer, I didn't have to learn how to buy rights. But as a theater educator, I you damn well, sure. You know, I, I better learn how to buy them or I'll be uh or in prison. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: right. Yeah. So, yes, to that. So we have Um, So we have a methods class that teaches them more about classroom. And then we have another class that we do that is all about the program and buying rights, um, censorship, how to deal with censorship um, and fundraising for your program. It's basically like a program management class. And so um, we definitely do that. And then the other thing that we do each month, which, you know, because I've invited you on is we do these exploratory events for them, that it's just an area of interest. So we might have people that aren't necessarily traditional classroom teachers, because not all of my students may go directly into the classroom. Um, They might want to be a teaching artist. Um, and so they might want to work on their performance and directing, but because they have this education degree, they're more likely to get into um, regional theaters as teaching right. artists. Some of them want to run their own theaters one day, like community, larger community theaters or be um, community engagement specialists. So they get the certification. They do all the methods, the methodology of how to teach theater. But The other thing that was really important to me when I took the position at SIUE that I had a conversation with the chair is that my students were not othered because I went to a program where, um, if you were theater ed, you weren't cast in the shows over the performers. And I feel like the theater training that these students are getting, they need to be the best. They need to know everything. So I was like, that's really important to me. I want to see them on main stages. I want to see them teching shows, stage managing shows. They have to be doing it all.
0: So, yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, you and I are similar age. I'm not going to say that you're much older than me but you're older than me by a little bit but uh we we had you remember those classes we took in school that taught you to like write a check <laughs> and that kind yes, of stuff yes, they don't they yes. don't really do that anymore uh mm-hmm. but that's that's what i liken it to is like here's how to here's what copyright uh rules you have to follow and here's how you apply and here's how you do this and here yeah so anyway well enough enough well, I'm about teaching
1: that them how to read a budget too <laughs> yeah oh like, yeah 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 that, Cause I got that paperwork and I was like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't understand yes. how to look at this budget line and figure this out and bus uh, money and this yeah. money. and Yeah.
0: Not just read it, but also abide by it. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole nother, those are two different battles, but um, anyway, I can, I can read Hebrew, but I don't know how to use it and you know uh, what it <laughs> means, but um all right well let's get into the meat of this so uh like you said you amy Wernigd. um and <laughs> and so i'm hoping amy's listening but uh she's 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 killing it right now at maid creek but uh working That's for awesome. yeah working for one of my former principals so um but uh so you had mentioned the topic and again as I said off air, I could talk about this for days, but the sports versus theater. Now, I don't know what side of the the coin you're on. I'm assuming we are of similar uh, opinions here, but um, I you were very general with just saying sports versus theater is in the arts. And so I wanna know what is it, what you gotta say, what you got?
1: I might surprise you. Okay. And so <laughs> right. I, I said this because One of my students, um, well, she, she's a design tech student and she reached out to me to help her with her capstone project, which is about funding for how a lot of, she said a lot of, when she sent the email to me, I'm just so angry that a lot of school districts support sports more than theater. And I said, I will absolutely be your, your person but you might not like what I tell you. Um, and so so we had a phone conversation um, or Zoom, whatever, she and I. And I said, here's the deal. I am so sick of hearing theater kids um, say, oh, the sports get all the money or they don't care about us. And the teachers who perpetuate that um through their own say, either saying it or not shutting it down or not supporting the kids in sports. And there's a whole lot of reasons where I think we fall short. Um, and I can certainly talk about like some tips um, in terms of communicating. I am from a small town in Texas. And I was a three sport athlete and did theater because we, we, we wouldn't have had enough people, you know, to, to do things. And I loved what sports taught me. And I think sports taught me how to be an amazing collaborator. Now that is not to say that if you're not athletic and you don't like, you personally don't like sports, you love theater and you found your home. That's awesome. I teach those kids a lot. Um, That's sort of like my business stage play. I usually find kids around third to fifth grade whose parents are like, yeah, they're not going to play soccer anymore, you know, or whatever. So I get that, but I don't think that we should negate what sports teach the kids. And I don't think you can compare the money situation at all. They're two very different things. And I can talk about why. <laughs> yeah,
0: if you I, want. No, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I do want to hear the why from your perspective. But you know, I, I'm, and I'll be brief because this isn't about me. And I think I've said it before, but um, especially right now, I'm getting very annoyed with our a lot of educators and uh, their idea that if sports can do it, we should be able to do it, uh, or if sports isn't doing it, we shouldn't do. You know, this kind of idea, and. Part of it, very basic example, uh, which I know people will, they can get mad at me, not you, Tress. But um, the the mask debate, the should, you know, we shouldn't have to wear masks on stage because the athletes don't have to wear masks when they play. Now, do I think we should wear them or not on stage? I, I, I'm not going to give my opinion on that. Do I think we should stop comparing it to somebody that's sprinting uh, 50 yards back and forth and huffing and puffing compared to a love story happening on stage that they're not breathing nearly as heavy or sweating. <laughs> you know, no, those are two completely different comparisons. I don't think that we should be saying because basketball doesn't wear a mask, we shouldn't have to either. They're two completely different things. Um, you're not going to go to the beach in 30 degree weather even though there's still a beach, you know, like it's just, you know, um, anyway, yes, please speak on it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they are different. They're fundamentally different and they teach similar, um, concepts, but I think theater is unique. And so what I told this young woman about her, um, her dissertation, her capstone project was, What she needed to do was research. She needed to come up with a list of questions for coaches, for theater teachers, for students who are in the arts and are athletes, for parents of arts and athlete kids, and to find what does theater offer that sports doesn't. That's the first step. Because we know that it off that discipline, it you know is there, and I do think that in collaboration and teamwork. But there are some unique differences, and so when you can identify what the differences are, um, then you can kind of talk about that and you can communicate to people why you need what you need for your program. But if you just say, "Uh, they always get this money," it's not going to work you're never going to get more money. And let me tell you why it's a numbers game, right? So you think about a football stadium and how many people can a football stadium seat, right? On a Friday night, everybody goes to the football stadium. Those are ticket sales for them. You also think about how many people are on a football team. Well, you can have on larger schools, you've got your football team, you have the band, you have the cheerleaders, you have booster club parents, you have all of these people that you are traveling with too. You've got to get them on buses. It's not a bus for 15 students for one act or a bus to go to um, thespian conventions. Yeah. So. You also have to think about, like, the other thing that I hear all the time is, well, the athletic director gets so much money. Listen, you do not want to be the athletic director of a district. You just don't. When you think about all of the work that they have to do, is their salary inflated? Maybe, possibly, but you have to think about the what they are dealing with. If you think you're dealing with difficult parents... And then you just have the theater kid parents. They have the soccer parents, the baseball parents, The especially if you're a large school, because those aren't three sport athletes that they're dealing with and the coaching staff that they have to deal with and injuries. And uh, so you're dealing with equipment and, and money that it just takes a lot more money to do that. and And they get money back. So they they get funding through those booster clubs. Right. So if you're not happy with how much money they have, you have to first address why do they have so much money? Is it just budget? And then think about how much, what do you need? Because I, can, I cannot play football without padding and a helmet, but I can do a show with four boxes. Right. <laughs> and if I'm doing a really good job, really, I don't even need a space, right? Found theater. Some of the best theater I've ever seen has been in found spaces. I'm not saying what we do doesn't matter. I'm saying that you don't have a leg to stand on in terms of the money. So how do you get the money? That's the question. Because you need the money. And this is what I teach my students. If you are not supporting the sports programs in your school, you're already at a at a disadvantage because there are coaches there that are going to have students um, for you that will let you have them for for rehearsal, or um, you need to borrow some equipment because you want to do the wolves. I don't know what it is, but they're still your colleagues and you should still be collaborating with them outside of just the fine arts department. And so the best way to do that is to let them know that you care about their program and then they'll care about your program. So if you have a pep rally, it's so easy to reach out and say, hey, can we do some kind of skit or something, the drama club, and then they'll announce they've got this show, you know, whatever. We used to have a couple students who would help our mascot come up with skits. So it wasn't even that they had to be there, but they were creative, you know, and they would set, they came up with the mascot sketches for them. Um, The, the other thing that you can do is, Why are you having a show on a Friday night? If it's a football game night, don't have a show on a game night. If you do have it on an away game, when people maybe don't go make sure you have a student show where all those athletes can come, because if you start going to their stuff, they'll start coming to your stuff. Um, and then I like, I love athletes that come to theater. What I most often got were juniors or seniors who needed the fine art credit. And they would say, Oh man, I wish I had known about that, done this earlier. And sometimes they didn't even mean like on stage, they were just having fun building the set and stuff. And that's something they totally could have done in an off season. Had they known that that existed? Right. So when I hear that, I think I am doing a shitty job, right? Like as as a if my job is to recruit at that level too right for job security then why didn't this kid know that they could do these things and why didn't I get them as a freshman and sophomore so I need to try harder right um so if you have coaches who teach an elective that is a choice um one of the things that you can do for recruitment also, if your rooms aren't super crowded, so nobody gets treated worse than the art teachers, right? I call them the redheaded stepchildren of uh, the fine arts because they think, oh, they can just sit down, so we're going to shove a ton of people in there. Right. So when I first went to a new school, uh, they were uh, one group of kids had left to go to a new school that was opening, so there were my and I was coming in that first year. And my theater classes were barren. They just were barren. But the art teacher was like beside herself stressed. And so I said, hey, can I can I come and and just see if some of those students, the first couple of days of school want to come and try out my class? Because of course, that first week you're doing all the fun ensemble building theater games and things like that. And she said, yeah. So I would go in there at the top of every hour and say, hey, I'm Miss Curzum. Does anybody want to go try theater with me Just see if you like it? You're not required to to change, but you can. And then they would go with schedule changes, some of them, you know, and she was so grateful. Same thing with a coach. There's a lot of coaches who are teaching. I mean, certainly they have to have health, so that's not going to work. But the other electives that they might be teaching that they have been shoved into, if you do that for them, they will do so much for you. And so you say, come to the show, you know, I would have guest spots sometimes, um, in a show where it was like a walk on part and coaches there and you put coaches in there because then all their, their athletes want to see them them on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, a, and it just makes me so mad because if you are a sports kid and you're sitting in there. And you're already nervous about maybe being in a theater one class and what that means, because maybe your counselor threw you in. And the first day or later, maybe even somebody says something about, uh, we only get this, or they only care about sports here. And the theater teacher doesn't say, well, if we think that let's change that instead of, I know, well, if you're a sport kid you're like oh they don't value what i do she doesn't value what i do this isn't a place for me
0: right yeah no i mean and to speak on your um what you said uh towards the beginning of this was that uh if we go to their events they will reciprocate the support pretty much that uh we and it turned into money for us you know at Dulles, we did high school musical which i uh, don't wish that on my enemy but it it brings in so much money. You know, a lot of those Disney shows do. And we had quite a few athletes in the show. And the only reason we were able to secure those athletes is because we had been so supportive and continued to be supportive afterwards, but we had been so supportive beforehand that the coach was like, yeah, sure. Have these kids, you know, these days, this time and we'll figure out the schedule. And it, there was very little conflict. Even our, our lead was the, the varsity quarterback. Um, right, and that turned into a lot of money for the department um, because of what you said again. Uh, even regarding, and I know you mentioned the coaches cameo, not so much the the kids, but sometimes there there are those kids that can cameo that are the popular kid in the mm-hmm. school. That oh, this kid's in the in the. I didn't even know this kid liked to be on stage, and now twenty of his friends are sitting in the audience. Um, so there are, I guess it's kind of a marketing thing as well, but it's being, it's being intelligent and smart about knowing your, your community, your school, also going along with the whole schedule it, schedule your shows, look at the, the, the football schedule to find out when you should do your shows. Uh, I always did a show during the off week, during the, you know, I don't care if it meant that I only had four weeks of rehearsal, what it was going to do was sell out uh, our black box shows or, you know, do a a pretty good audience for an improv show even because kids are wanting to do stuff on the weekends. They, they want to go somewhere. And so if Mm -hmm. it's school related uh, their parents are going to support it because they know it's not, you know, little Timmy's house, you know, rave uh, party happening at, you know, so um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's being smart. And I like what you said about if, if you don't like it, change it, what are we going to do about it? Um, instead yeah, of...
1: it's, it's training the community too, right? Because yep. what you said about just a second ago about having those other kids come in to watch the popular kid or whatever. If we are really true to the pedagogy of what we're supposed to be doing as theater educators, we are also supposed to be training a community of advocates for theater and theater goers. So not everybody I touch, I can't possibly touch everybody in my classroom and train them. Um, but if I can touch the community of people and the school community of seeing plays and being good audience members and they write a check someday for somebody that's huge yep. because they value it. And so, and they understand it. So like we would sell take when I was at a small school, um, my hometown, actually, we would I mean, again, a lot of those students were on the dance team in the band, so they were going to be busy on a Friday night anyway. But the ones who weren't, we had our flyers there and we sold tickets at the football game for the show. Yeah. Because it's not? about making sure people even know you exist yeah. sometimes in some schools. Right. Yep. Yep. Now, I understand that you want good things. Like you want money for a new board, a new sliding system, a new auditorium. But the only way that you're going to get those things is if you get community people who are going to vote for the bonds into your space to see that you need it and the quality of work that you do, and then communicate that to them in a curtain speech, in a handout, in a Broadway cares type bucket at the end, you know, whatever you need, you have to be smart about it.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I like that too. I think, I'm i thinking about the, the space I'm currently in where they put on some very good productions, but they've always had bad sound quality and it's not always their fault. Um, it's, it's, they just haven't had the money to buy new sound equipment. And so now that's the goal of our boosters. We need new sound equipment. We're always in the space. These shows are phenomenal, scenery, lighting, whatever, but the sound is always suffering and it's not, operator error it's the quality of the technology and so uh becomes like you said getting the people in the space and and it shouldn't
1: just be your this is another kind of like thing that is a pet peeve of mine is it's not just your auditorium as the theater person right so figure out who else uses that auditorium that needs sound yeah dan needs sound they want good sound administrators
0: administer i mean i can't tell you when
1: they have to talk it's embarrassing when you know invite the superintendent to come talk at your auditorium yeah. and say hey we're doing what we can here with the sound you'll you'll hear you know and then say by the way here's a pamphlet on what we would love to have yeah. you know
0: yeah that's great my my superintendent always in at Dulles uh the, you know you you've been to Dulles but yeah. Uh, that, that auditorium was built for the district is like a graduation space. Mostly. Yeah.
1: It's the auditorium. Yeah. It's not a theater. Yeah.
0: And so the lights, um, uh, the house lights were spotty. They, they didn't light up, you know, it didn't flood the space. And so that was one of the things he made sure that I knew needed to be on the bond <laughs> that, you yeah. know, the space needed to be well lit. It was, there were so many little pockets that little high school kids could go, uh, find some darkness and do whatever it is they do. Like, you know, eat a lot of Sour Patch Kids or whatever it is that those kids do. You know, uh, I'm assuming yeah. that's, that's all they do is just eat horrible food. Um,
1: but most people don't like to pay taxes. But if they know yeah. it's for education and they know where it, it's going and you've trained your community,
0: right? Yeah.
1: It's an easier sell that, than some of the other things. That's
0: the key to fundraising, too. I, I got um, you know, I was guilty of this in my first few years, but when you fundraise, fundraise for a purpose, don't just say, Hey, huh, you yeah. know, the, this is, we need money in the theater department. Well, what do you need money for? Like talk, talk about exactly what it is. And I think that, that mindset has become, I think a lot more people are, are getting on board with that partially because of the, the, the different websites that they have. And I know speaking to Corey Kelly, cause we mentioned him earlier. Um, he's the one, I, now I'm blanking on what the, what it is, the, the crowdfunding, um, oh, GoFundMe? GoFundMe, uh, like he, I mean, he is, he might be the CEO of GoFundMe by now, but he, he was so big on that stuff and, and did really well, was very successful and always said, you've got to have a purpose. You've got to have something you actually need because people want to see, if you just say, I need money for the theater, you're not going to be able to prove that you spent that money on X, Y, and Z. So if you say we need new microphones, well, now you can take pictures of these kids with a cool microphone on their face that's working really well or a video or something, and it proves to the buyer, hey, their, their money went somewhere, you know, went to something very specific. So,
1: so that makes me think of two things. One, um, Julie uh, Ryan and Paul Schaefer over at Kerr for years, when I was clinicking them, every time she'd be like, you know, we don't really have a theater. We don't have this. We don't have that. So a few years ago on Facebook, they built that theater in alif And I don't know if it's just for Kerr. It's attached to the school. So I'm not sure it's, if it's like a PAC.
0: I think, I mean, it's ish. Yeah. Not not every not every high school in alif has a thriving theater department. So. That's part of the problem. But the space itself, yes, is used by the district.
1: Yeah, but but it's attached to their school. And so they now can use it right like on the daily. When her students walked in to that space, she recorded it. And I'm not kidding. I was crying. I was in tears. If I don't know if 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 like you can get a link to that or whatever. Um, but tears because they were so incredibly grateful. And I just thought to myself, you need to make sure that it's not just the people that you know, on Facebook that are seeing this, but the people who paid for that, because which are like the people who maybe never even come to a play that, you know, that are in your community because it was, it was just so awesome. And so it makes me think of that, like the, the taking the picture. And the other thing is if you are in a big program and you have really good stuff, which I hope everybody has quality work, whether they have whatever their budget is, right? If you're asking for money and they're like, well, your shows are good. So you have to be specific about what you want because your shows are good. They look good because you are resourceful. You're amazing. And you can work within your budget. But you want something special or you want to take your students somewhere, you know, or you want, um, yeah, I mean, the sound and the light equipment is so expensive. The other thing I would say about that is you have to follow through. If you say you're going to get that thing, make sure that you can get that thing. Because nothing is worse than thinking you're getting this new light board. You collect all this money and then you find out that that light board is not going to work in that space. And then you use that money for something else because that will upset people.
0: I hire a consultant.
1: <laughs> yeah. You just need to do your due diligence yes. that you're going to in fact be able to use that or that the superintendent's like going to let you go on that trip right. or whatever that you're raising the money for that. You're not going to have all of a sudden a roadblock where right. you've raised tons of money. All
0: right. So you a uh, very sort of quickly glossed over this but uh i want to touch on it but you um the topic of communication with colleagues i'm intrigued by this (laughs) you you know you talked about a little bit about making sure supporting coaches and you know that that part of the community that is communication is reaching out and saying can Mm -hmm. we do something for the pep rally can we can we sell tickets at the football game or even a basketball game or something like that um but those aren't your only colleagues coaches, aren't it. It's the history department and science and math and, um, the core topic, the core topics, the core subjects. So, uh, what is it about communication with colleagues that, uh, that you want to speak on?
1: Um, okay. So I I taught high school at a much large, I've taught at a very rural school. I've taught in an urban setting, suburban setting, Um, larger schools. And I will say that we have a tendency as fine arts people to stay in our bubble, especially at larger schools, like eating lunch in a room with just like the six people that you work with, which is great. Um, Those are your friends. But I think you should venture out. For me, it was the copy room a lot. And just when I'm in there making copies, which is like all the time. Right. Um, talking to people instead of ignoring them and remembering facts about them. So like when the lady from the math department comes in and I ask her how her grandkids are, because I remembered from last week that her, she has, you know, when I saw her in the copy room before Mm -hmm. that's huge, that goes a long way to people, especially older teachers. Right. Um, Eating in the teachers' lounge every once in a while with the other teachers, and and some of you may already do that, especially in smaller schools. Um, and getting to know the other teachers, I think, is huge. When I talk about your colleagues, I again, this goes back to the pedagogy of theater. It's interesting to me at every level that I've taught at that. We're theater people, but we don't always practice what we preach about good communication and collaboration when we're working on something. So if we had two students who were in a fight in a play, and we knew that they were not getting along, we would sort of intervene in some way, right? And address it and say, let's figure this out. Let's talk about this. Cause we're also teaching them these basic life skills that they have to have. And yet I'll be at different theater events. And one director will come up to me and tell me all the things that are driving them crazy about their other director or co-director. And I'll say, have you told them? And they're like, you know, but it's so passive aggressive, even just yeah. watching them interact with one another. And I wonder how many of those jobs that are so much turnover all the time could be fixed if people would just have really honest, mature conversations.
0: My um, most miserable year in education was probably my first year with Melanie Burke when she came to Dulles. Uh, But then it was followed by probably the three best years of my time in education because I don't remember what it was. We I think we just went out together. I think we just went to go get dinner or something like that and I mentioned that I was raised by a black woman named Esther. Like that was my daycare lady. She's still like a mentor to me to this day. Um and that like cuz Melanie's is a uh, afro afro latina um as she would always say, not an African American, but um <laughs> cuz she's not. <clears throat> Excuse me, but that like changed everything. And so, uh, it became now three years of constant, almost, um, incest in, in, I'm not even gonna try to say the word, uh, (laughs) but it became just communication all the time. Like every day we had kind of a check-in, um, and to the point where it became kind of fun to test our kids to see what, they would go back and say to the other director, because we were, we would talk all the time either via text because our offices weren't near each other or just after school or whatever. And so we would tell a kid, Hey, Tress, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really liking the show choice that we're doing for next year. Uh, these are the choice. These are the ones that I'm thinking of. And so it became a game of are, are these kids going to go back and gossip to the other director? Cause we would check in with each other and say, what did, what did, little timmy tell you today
1: (laughs) oh yeah that's a really good point too because kids pick up on i mean kids pick up on that and they will use it to their advantage like playing mom and dad against each other and and it doesn't even have to be the those gender roles you know um if you roll your eyes or you sigh in a way they'll start to do that about that other director also and that Is not okay. It's undermining the you know the collaboration. It doesn't work. And there are gonna be times that it just doesn't work, like right? Like maybe you weren't part of that hiring process, like you guys just don't gel for whatever reason. And then it's time to leave. But I think (laughs) like anything, you can still leave without burning bridges. And so did you have those honest conversations? Okay. Like, here's an example. People used to always say, cause I worked with Brad for so long, Brad Cummins, um, at Austin high school and people were all, he always called us Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> and we, we would also have words like Lennon and McCartney sometimes. Um, and he would drive me crazy sometimes, but I was, you know, I was about to say, I was self-aware enough, but I hate it when people say that they're self-aware because the people who say they're self-aware are never (laughs) self-aware, but, but I, I know that I'm not the easiest person to get along with. Right. And I, I also love constructive criticism. I love it. Um, and so there was one time when we were at a show and I had been angry with him because he had not been showing up and I had not had a conversation with him about it. And I was becoming very passive aggressive in my communication with him. And the, the judge, cause it was a UIL competition. We had advanced and it was supposed to be like the happiest time for us. Right. To I think to state, if not state region. And we were sitting there and they said, are you, who are the directors? And, and I said, so embarrassing. I said, I am, we're co-teachers. This is my co-teacher. And I was mad because he hadn't been there. And I felt like I had done all the work. Now, keep in mind, I had not filled out any of the bus paperwork. I had not paid any of the the bills of money that I was spending like crazy and reimbursements. I was not doing grade checks. He was doing all of that work because it was stuff that he could do at home because he had two little kids. And we got back. The kids got on the bus. And I don't think he would mind me saying this, like having this conversation he sat down beside me and he teared up and he was like, that really hurt my feelings. I want to be here. Right. You know, I want to be doing this with you and the students and I feel guilty all the time. And I am pulled all the time from home, from here, you know, my own wants and needs. And it was so incredibly vulnerable And we had that conversation because we had other conversations over the course of however many years we worked together. And this was obviously like pre-kids for me, but I understood marriage. I understood being pulled and wanting to be home, you know, and frustration. And if a kid gets picked up late, you can't just leave them. It's not like, I mean, I can do that in college. That's kind (laughs) of awesome. You know?
0: Yeah. They
1: lock up. I leave, they lock up. Yeah. So. I show up, everything's set up already unlocked. <laughs> yeah. But I heard that. Right. And I apologized and we had a conversation about what, what can we do? You know, and I had to start to see, it's just like any kind of relationship. There's a lot of stuff he's doing that I'm not doing yep. Yep. so that I'm able to do what we do and the quality of work is good. Yep. And also just really shitty of me to do that. And that was like hubris. And, you know, you get better about age right. and teaching and, and you learn. Yeah. Um, I've heard you talk a lot about your own ego, yeah. you know, things as it shifts and changes. But you can't have any kind of relationship with people if you're not going to get down and be a little vulnerable at times right. and be really clear on what you need in that in that relationship, yeah. right?
0: I can't. I can't uh, relate to a story more than that one because uh, with with my time with Melanie, I had a student come up to me after a production. I think it was Romeo and Juliet, but I was sitting on the back of my truck and they're all kind of like, it was closing night and a kid came up, I won't name the kid even though I remember him well, uh, and said, Minor, do you do anything for this department? And I just kind of laughed. <laughs> and you know, it's because, yes, you, and this was, I think, I think Eleanor had just been born, I wanna say. So this was probably four, almost five years ago. Um, and so I, I have a, a two small children at home, one being a newborn. And and I would do that same thing. I would get my work done in the times that, like everything that I needed to do was, was done. But it was all silent. It was all behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, there was mm-hmm. nothing. It wasn't in front of the kids, but if it had never happened, you know, uh, it's it's the elevator metaphor. All you do in the elevator is press a button. but if you knew what happened when you press that button yeah. um, like all of these parts that you don't see, that's that's exactly what happens. But if any one of those parts fails, well, <laughs> so long elevator, you know um, And so it's it's just one of those things I, I completely understand it and I and I under, you know on a this has nothing to do with anybody else, but on a you and me personal level, being that, and I've said this on the podcast, being that my wife literally came into the Austin job as, mm-hmm. you know, you're the reason Jennifer got into teaching, uh, not necessarily as a motivator, but just literally the reason, <laughs> you, yeah. you said- I did help <laughs> hire her, so yes, I got I, to
1: hire my replacement, which was fun, so right, yeah. Right, but she
0: had no idea she wanted to do it, you know, which which was kind of funny, but anyway, but, you know, you sitting there at Morton Ranch, I think, where were, were we at Morton Ranch High School? I don't remember, but you were pregnant, um with Chloe, I'm assuming, but um, and saying, I I'm leaving. Do you know somebody that wants this job? And I said, I do. (laughs) My wife. (laughs) So um yeah, and I just remember that really, really well. But uh uh but once we started uh once she started getting into the thick of things with Brad, it was the same thing. It was he wanted he wanted the best of both worlds. And I love Brad Comes to Death and, and Jennifer even more so like two deaths, uh, which doesn't make yeah. any sense, but, um, uh, he wanted best of both worlds. And, and I'm not saying that that's just a Brad thing. That's a, a very common dynamic between two directors, uh, and two colleagues in programs. And it's not even just theater. Uh, it could be a choir, a band, an orchestra, um, a lot of these kind of collaborative art areas that you usually have a yin and a yang kind of thing. And, um, but, but that example is the one we know. So, you know, not picking on Brad by any means, cause, uh, dude is living his best life right now in retirement with his, <laughs> with his, yeah, uh, carpentry. Yeah.
1: And the <laughs> thing about that is too, I should say I told him, so people would sometimes, and, and this is like when you work with people, right? Anybody that. I would say you have to be clear what you need, what you want. If you're not clear, how do you get what you want? And you can't be scared to to tell people. It doesn't do any good if you go bitch about it to everybody else. If you don't tell the person that you're upset, it'll never change. And so we know these things. We teach these things. These are like basics of improv. Yes. And listen to understand instead of to respond. Right. Like these are all the things that we talk about all the time um and for some reason we as i have noticed that a lot of theater people are not really practicing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and i don't know why and because your life will be so much better if you do
0: so is that going up
1: oh. are you are. there yeah 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 it yeah.
0: <laughs> just cut off for a second so going back to then you as Now, a college educator, are you? That's the way to change it. I mean, that that, what you do now with these programs of theater education is that's how the 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 it slowly kind of turns into this world of we've got to be better communicators, even though we're teaching communication. Um, uh, It's yeah, it goes goes all kind of full circle back to that. So,
1: um, and I think it's important because if we're teaching a life skill, right? to them and we're modeling it so if we have an uncomfortable situation in a in a rehearsal is to not ignore it with the students but address it yeah you know how do we handle it professionally so that we can show them how you handle it right and if i do lose my temper i apologize and i apologize to the room right you know because it is traumatic to watch two people that you care about fight.
0: Right. So, and we
1: can't ignore that we just did that.
0: Right. And it goes back to the, again, not necessarily gender specific, but the analogy of mom, pitting mom versus dad kind of thing. So, yeah. I, I want to transition then into the last thing that uh, uh, to discuss, because it kind of, it kind of, you're kind of flowing into that uh, the importance of intimacy training respecting boundaries so uh this is new to me intimacy training is like a new it's kind of like when i entered college and found out that there are people that do fight choreography you know uh like i was like who's this brian burns guy why does he have a job and then i realized mm-hmm. oh this is why um because he's really good at making people safe and i should have known better being that i'm a huge wrestling fan and oh yeah <laughs> you know they the whole the whole job of a, of a wrestler is to make sure the other person is safe, not to make mm-hmm. sure you're safe. It's to take care of your, your buddy. And so, uh, and that's what Brian Burns, when I, that's Brian Burns for me when I was at UH was this guy that made sure you weren't actually sticking the sword into the person's abdomen, you know, that kind of thing, or you weren't actually kneeing them to the face. So the intimacy training thing I, that could be a completely ignorant metaphor, But that's what I look at as intimacy training is I didn't realize there was a need for this until just a few years ago and that it has it's kind of just blown up to become a very popular way of directing now or a popular need for directing, not a way of directing necessarily. So uh, take it away. Speak on that.
1: Yeah, so. I too was like, I love the term intimacy director, intimacy choreographer, intimacy coordinator. They mean different things. Mostly I was sad that I didn't have that title for myself because I had been doing similar work for a really long time because of the need for it. And that need stems from, first of all, we have this word now because most of the people (laughs) Excuse me. Most of the people that are doing it and like the trainers and certified in it and sort of this movement um, were fight choreographers um, and or are fight choreographers and and movement specialists. And so they would often be asked to like stage rape scenes or um, any kind of like sexual violence and then while you're here can you help us figure out this you know and so they start to see a need for it so as an educator when i taught high school my students liked difficult material and so i wanted to be able to do it safely and i wanted to be able to honor where they were um because again kind of going back to that improv actors will say yes to a lot of things that they're actually not comfortable with and i knew for sure that my if i'm training my students to go some of them are going to go to uh pre-professional programs they're not going to get coddled in any way at the time Um, into those sort of relationships, and I knew they would feel pushed into doing some of the things that they maybe didn't want to do. So I basically gave them a bag of tools and tricks to use to make them feel more comfortable um, with their acting partners um, and have, conver- again, conversations and communicate about it in a way that when they were in those positions or in those rooms, they could have autonomy, um, and, and take any kind of power back that they needed to. So that's how it started. It also started because they looked bad. Like they looked awkward when I was having them, you know, do these things on stage. And I realized my training was always like, and now you kiss. And so I remember doing a scene with a partner, a scene partner of mine for film, and I knew this person for a long time. This was in college, and um, we had to, it was a kiss, like they, this is what the whole thing was. It was like kiss scenes. That's what it was on the unit. So it already creates, when you see kiss scene, a little anxiety, right? And then they partner us with whoever they want the teacher did right so i knew i was going to have to kiss this person cuz it's on film and so we rehearsed the scene by ourselves in a dorm room you know and i remember thinking by the time it was over i think he likes me do you know what i mean because and he did it
0: yeah right you know
1: but that's how showmances happen yeah and you you People are willing to leave their entire lives for people that they've created this scenario because it feels real, because yeah. we're good actors. And so part of that was because we were creating the blocking. So if he wanted to do something, he was talking as himself, like, I think I'm going to grab you here or touch you here. And so he wasn't talking as the character and using the wants and needs of the character. So for instance, I think that Jim, the character wants to seduce her. So as the actor, I would like to do this. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. It just happened. We didn't have those conversations or communication. The other part that I realized when I was working with young actors is If I stage it, I take that away because then it's never about. uh, Oh, this actor likes me because they put their hand here. So Tress walked us through like a dance. Step one, close distance. You know, I took away the sexuality part of it when I talked about their bodies Not always. I will say like, this is another thing, like with anything your training gets better through time and it changes and shifts. So some of the ways that I've taught even within the last year have gotten better because of the training that I've been doing myself. So when I worked with middle school kids, we're not even talking about like sexual touch. We're talking about just a mother and a daughter Yeah. And they don't understand. I mean, the relationship between when I say touch her, like she's your mother. Well, I don't know what kind of relationship she has with her mom, if she has a mom. So what I used with those guys is pictures. I had tons and tons of pictures. Like I called it the character wall and we would use it for all different kinds of things. And I would say, go and touch a few pictures with your partner that you think look like a maternal touch or a loving touch in those pictures and then communicate with your partner. If you're okay with being touched that way. And then we'll figure out how we get into that. There's obviously a whole lot more to it, but we have to remember that the kids that we're teaching at this point, like they've been living in trauma, like their whole lives, even the most privileged. So they've grown up with school shooters and fear about that in school they've grown up in a recession uh, like they were born in the recession right. you know so um they've grown up where there's been covid now and race riots um uprisings i don't like yeah. to call them riots sorry there's been uprisings based on unfair treatment of of people of color black right. people specifically if you're a black student You're living in trauma um, every day. And so how do you then safely work with these students? It goes beyond just the intimacy training. And it always makes me so sad because I'll see people say stuff like, I like to, I've, I like actually have heard in chat rooms and stuff like, not chat rooms, God, that dates me, (laughs) Facebook, Facebook groups. Yeah. It'll say things like, just have them go in the dressing room and practice. No, that's not what you do. You know, it's not safe and it's not fair to them. Um, And there's so much training out there now for you and better what the, the particular group that I really like the most has a phrase that says better is better. So anything that you're doing, different or trying is going to be better than not doing it
0: yeah that's good what what is so you know i've i'm guilty of i don't know if this was recently i think it was years ago of telling kids you guys should like plan a little social go go do something social um get to know each other and i don't i don't know if it was necessarily kids that uh, we're going to have an intimate scene on stage, but to try to build that closeness, if you will, that sort of family uh, feeling to these students so that they are feeling more comfortable with each other. Is that something you would recommend, or is there some better way to get them sort of just to be more comfortable in their skin with each other? Uh, or to, should it stay on the stage or in a rehearsal setting?
1: Mm, I think it's all of it. So, good question i think that it's almost like you do this for a living um i think that this is again an example of me having done stuff that i wouldn't do now okay if it's a couple on stage like a and i say just to the two of them and i've done this before and i wouldn't do it now you guys go um, on a date to the park whatever and spend time together I think that is not very clear in terms of what my expectations are um, for them. I can create that date on stage through improv and be that third eye for them, for sure. Um, because n- when I tell them to just go work on it, um, they're, they're them. They're they're their real person. And that's where things get confusing. Versus if I set up an improv date for this couple. And then naturally on breaks, people start to talk, or we do trust games or exercises as an ensemble where we're then our actor selves, you can you can monitor that a little bit more. Inevitably, when kids are in a show together, they're gonna start hanging out. That's that's gonna happen naturally. And that's good. That's good for that collaboration. That's like what I was talking about with sports. I loved bus rides because we, girl sports are different than boy sports too, because like when I played volleyball, we would sing, we would laugh, we would braid each other's hair and then we would go kick ass on the court. Right.
0: It's the same thing I did when I was on a soccer team, but anyway, continue.
1: You braided each other's Uh, hair.
0: Loved it. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. So so that, that's that camaraderie. And I, that's why I like UIL too, because you get to travel with them. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it's just in, within our, cause like we're in such a large district, they don't really get to go very far yeah. necessarily, but just those little bus rides are so fun for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I think you do it. It happens naturally. Yeah organically you should not push that no
0: okay but um, you
1: but you should create space to do it in rehearsal too
0: right you, yeah build it into that schedule uh build it into that time yeah
1: and be clear differentiate between you're playing the character now and now we're working as ensemble actors to trust each other yeah
0: yeah it's that I mean, I don't have any Raza Box training, but uh, the couple of times that I've done Raza Boxes or been a a part of it, uh, it reminded me of my time in high school with Suzanne Phillips and getting down to the core of what's the emotion that we need to kind of be experiencing as the character and what's the safe space and all this kind of stuff. And um, any of that stuff builds, like you said, organically builds the ensemble. Even if you're not going to IHOP, which also was a huge thing and still is uh, uh a part of it which I love to see that that has continued on. I remember in high school 59 diner was like our go to, you know, after shows. Mm-hmm. RIP. Yep. RIP 59 diner. But um, huh. but yeah I didn't
1: know that it's not there anymore. That makes <sighs> me really
0: sad. Yeah, it's not. Uh not none of the locations, even the ones that weren't on 59, but <laughs> Oh
1: yeah, that's
0: funny. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, it's it's uh it is an organic thing, and yeah, there are some directors that do fight it, that do say, no, once you're done with rehearsal, go home and uh, work on your homework. Not to say you shouldn't do that, but on a Friday night, you know, after a three-hour rehearsal, let the kids go get fast food together and encourage it maybe you're, know, if it's safe and something like that because it does help make everyone uh, more comfortable. Now, um, I want you to speak on stage play, uh, stageplaylearning.com. I want to, you, I want you to talk about, and in, in wrapping up what, cause I want you to push this a little bit. What is it that you're doing now in the virtual world that you're kind of taking advantage of the fact that we're virtual to create a more effective. And I guess, for lack of better words, popular, uh, stage play learning.
1: Oh, okay. Cause well... I,
0: I know one answer. You already said that earlier that. Uh, and this has to do with the ki- the your your college kids but you're I know you've brought in some special people right to to do work with the stage play kids or am I making that up did I create that in my mind because I know you're doing it with your SIUE kids
1: mm-hmm. um
0: cuz I'm doing that <laughs> but
1: yeah i bring in i bring in um other teachers sometimes yeah. yes yeah for sure and then the thing about getting to be remote is that I have a remote class that's getting ready to start in March and I separate them pre-K to second. So four years old to second graders, third to fifth and then six to eighth is the company. So really, that's not remote. So I kind of stop at right. fifth grade. And the and the reason for that is because once they start to get into middle school, they have those programs in um, secondary high school kids. They they're busy. Right. They don't have time. And if they do, it's usually they want like really specific actor training um, and so more private lesson type stuff. And I do that also. But with remote, I've been able to teach kids in other states, you know, or just other towns. And and parents who are, you know, sort of just (sighs) exhausted (laughs) um, and can't jockey a kid around because they've got one kid here, the remote sort of has opened up like oh my I can get them to log on you know and I don't have to go back and forth to do that so for sure I'm getting to do that and I think it's so important because I don't know about you guys but here um the one of the ways that they've handled doing face-to-face is they have shortened the school day so that they can clean better and so that means they've eliminated all of their out classes right. and their special classes and they're using the specialists to sort of cover as subs um for when people are quarantined and so for some kids they can afford private lessons still and go and do their dance classes and they're getting that but for a lot of kids they're not right. and for a lot of kids we know that's one of the reasons they look forward to going to school right
0: yeah yeah it's uh I love seeing, well, you started real strong when you uh, started pushing this, but your videos, they were very like, it was like if a TED Talk was just like an interview. (laughs) That's what what your videos, I hope that's not insulting, but that's what your videos reminded me of. Um, Do you know anything about Habitudes? Have you ever experienced Habitudes?
1: No, what are those? So
0: Habitudes is... uh, a program that is run by a company called Jostens, which is similar to Balfour, um, that they, it's inspirational, it's an inspirational company. Um, And they do a bunch of different videos and content and a lot of different uh, uh, lesson planning that are just there to kind of teach kids a different type of language that gets them to talk about Positive reinforcement um, and and positive ways of learning and positive ways of having friends and this and that. And it's just a very interesting way of looking at things. But we do Habitudes at my school. And when I was at Dulles, I was the Habitudes rep um, because at Dulles, they had not completely uh, taken over, or, or Habitudes has not completely infiltrated Dulles yet. But at Travis High School, it had. Uh, so at Dulles, I was the guy that was like, let me tell you about Habitudes and it's just this great program that gets you to speak a different way of, of thinking. And, uh, it's the iceberg idea that you only see 10% of the iceberg, but there's yep. the majority of the iceberg is underneath the water and getting to know the kids and kids getting to know their friends and all this kind of stuff. But, um, I say all that just to say that it's the stage play mode of thinking the way that you kind of have that I've seen online because I've never been a part of your program yet um the way I've seen online that it has that habitudy feel uh mm-hmm. where it's just kind of like hey guys there there's more to it than uh just your romeo and your juliet like let's let there let's explore this stuff and um yeah. that's that's what I really kind of like about it so
1: yeah uh, it's very i mean I love Viola Spolen And yeah. so very um, focused on sort of Spolen games and my own games that I've developed over the years of teaching and being a teaching artist before I was teaching in the classroom. And um, I just. Yeah. And again, it's it's the pedagogy of it, yeah. like not all of these kids may even take theater theater when they get to the high school. But they're learning the soft skills to be better human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. Minor